With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Louise Makshari of Catch Up with Louise Makshari. I could not be more thrilled to be telling you about the return of The White Lotus. It's streaming now with a Now Entertainment membership. I loved everything about the first series of the show, from the cast to the music. And it is just the perfect blend of mystery, comedy and drama. In, in my opinion, the finale of the last series was nothing short of a masterpiece. And now in season two, they're bringing us to Italy. Jennifer Coolidge is back and thank God for that. And this time she's joined by a new cast of characters. If you missed season one, I can't encourage you enough to catch up. You won't regret it. It's streaming now with a Now Entertainment membership. And you can stream the new season of the Emmy Award winning The White Lotus weekly on Now. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. As I was doing that little intro, I made me realize I may be migrating to Instagram and some other social media platform other than Twitter. Uh, we will see what happens. I'm not planning on buying my blue check so i don't know what that means i don't know where the site is going exactly but i feel that there's other options so just giving you a heads up if you don't find my stuff on twitter look for it on instagram and i will announce on twitter if i'm going to another platform all right there are so many other topics i prefer to talk about in this podcast and yes, including my take on the Clippers' early woes and whether they are a warning sign. But I don't know that anything is as big in the league right now as the saga of Kyrie Irving, which is why not only this podcast, but the next podcast are both going to probably be about the Kyrie Irving situation. Now, and I'm I'm seeing a lot of condemning of Kyrie, and that's not what this is going to be all about. And I'm not here to say that that condemning of Kyrie is undeserved. I'm here to say that there's someone else equally culpable, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. And when I say Brooklyn Nets, I mean everyone from owner Joe Psy to the men in the locker room. Because Kyrie has been saying crazy stuff for a minute now, and no one 
has checked him on it. First, it was just funny, silly stuff like saying the earth is flat. I see that as a trial balloon now by Kyrie. Let me put something outlandish out there and see how people react. Now, I don't know what his motive was. Was it to be seen as an out-of-the-box thinker, to insult geologists and astrophysicists? Maybe it was just a social test to see what the response would be. That's what I'm leaning toward. And I have to think he took the response as encouraging because some people out there actually agreed with him. Others applauded him for not taking his gospel something he couldn't himself or themselves prove, which seems to be a prevailing notion out there that, hey, I can basically say reality is whatever I want to say it is unless, and even if you show me concrete evidence, I can find a way to dismiss it or suggest that it's somehow contrived. Still others thought he was just messing with the media and they thought that was great. Another dangerous precedent. But blowback? Did he get blowback? Very little. And absolutely none from the Nets. Now I won't go into the whole vaccination issue because that was more complex than Kyrie just saying something uninformed. Just know that It started with Kyrie bailing on the Nets when they went to the bubble, well before he actually had to face being vaccinated. Yes, he was recovering from a shoulder surgery at the time, but Kyrie indicated that he didn't agree with restarting the season and in a group phone conversation with other players, suggested that they boycott the bubble. That put him in direct conflict with the organization because the organization was going to the bubble and they were playing in it and they were competing to try to advance in the bubble. Again, the Nets took no issue with his stance, even though they obviously believed it was both safe and important to play in the bubble since they sent a team there. Which By the way, all of you suggesting Kyrie has been right all along not to get vaccinated and was unfairly kept from playing because, well, I guess because one lower court judge has suggested the right to work law was broken, Um, although that's going to be appealed and that doesn't, that means that's one judge's opinion. But, okay, I'll give you that. Um, Shouldn't we also say then that Kyrie was wrong in thinking that playing in the bubble was not safe and that it was putting players' lives in danger. You can't have it both ways. And that's one of the issues here is that Kyrie and those who support him believe that he's never wrong. He's just, at worst, argumentative or uh, presenting uncomfortable truths is the way that it's being framed. Now, Kyrie is taking the brunt of what has happened to him, which has now culminated, for those who may not know, in a five-game suspension by the Nets. Could be longer, minimum of five games. And I'll get into what he has to do to make it only five games in a little bit. But while he's the architect of all of this, he's not the only one responsible. 
I hold the team equally responsible for where he is and by extension where the team is, which is far from being the title contender that they imagined and that all of their talent properly harnessed might not be so far-fetched. But it is not properly harnessed. Kyrie's talent above all. And the Nets allowed that to happen. I used an analogy on TV last week that I did not tell very well. So I'd like to take a stab at it again here. The Nets are the parents who have a rock-throwing kid, Kyrie. The kid starts out throwing rocks at stop signs and mailboxes, and while it's a little annoying, no one complains, and although the parents, his parents, know that he's doing it, they don't tell him to stop. Innocent fun, Kyrie being Kyrie, whatever their excuse might be. But then, the kid, Kyrie, starts throwing rocks and hitting cars and houses. And now the parents can hear the neighbors complaining asking that someone please stop the kid from throwing rocks because someone is going to get hurt. And the parents are equally loud. They let everyone know, hey, they let everyone hear them tell their kid, Kyrie, to stop. A day later, they peek through the blinds, and now the neighbors are on their front lawn protesting because the kid has not stopped throwing rocks. And now they got to figure out how do we mollify, how do we get the neighbors off of our front lawn? So they announce, they open the door, front door, and they let everybody know, we're taking the kids' allowance away. And then they hope that that will get the neighbors to go back home because that is their number one priority. Their goal is not to get the kid to stop doing what he's doing because it's wrong it's can we get everybody off our back that's the way the nets have operated throughout this not to set their own standard and to hold Kyrie to it but when Kyrie goes a little too far off the reservation to try to pull him back in or say that we're not happy we don't condone anybody doing what Kyrie is doing now as I said, what the parents should have done, if we're going to go back into the analogy, is the first time they found out about their kid throwing rocks, to tell him that the next time he throws one, he will be grounded, regardless of anyone complaining or getting hurt, because they are not, to, they are not about to have a rock-throwing kid living in their house. Kyrie's first rock, well... Uh, most recent first rock, at least on the Nets watch, was when he challenged the idea of playing in the bubble. Now, he and the team had the cover because he was recovering from a shoulder injury, but they should have told him in no uncertain terms that he needed to be with the team in the bubble even if he wasn't playing. The next rock that did damage, there may have been others, but the next one that I recall is when he said the team didn't need a coach shortly after their new coach, Steve Nash, was hired. That undermined Nash's authority and essentially made what uh, Kyrie was saying a reality. Nash couldn't very well coach the team after Kyrie said they didn't need one 
and Kevin Durant seconded it, and the Nets didn't correct either one of them. Your two star players are saying they don't need to be coached, or they can be co-coaches along with the coach. Now, when Kyrie refused to be vaccinated, after GM Sean Marks told the media that he was confident all the Nets players would get vaccinated, that was another rock thrown. Because they should have told Kyrie that he would not play or practice with the team unless he got vaccinated. That is what I'm told the Warriors did with Andrew Wiggins, who also was reluctant to get vaccinated, dragged his feet doing so. Wiggins, though, wanted to play. And the Warriors made it clear to him in various ways that they supported him, that they understood his reluctance, that they respected the tough decision that he had to make. But if he wanted to be with them, if he wanted to pursue a championship with them, then he was going to have to get vaccinated. Or he would not be with the team. I'm told that they were ready to trade him if it came to that. And obviously, at that point, Wiggins hadn't demonstrated that he was the Andrew Wiggins that we saw at the end of the year. In any case, Wiggins, very much like Kyrie, was up for an extension. And he wanted to play. And he believed in the Warriors' chances. And he had Staff and Draymond... The leader's telling him, you need to do this. We want you with us, but you need to do this. And we're doing it. So Wiggins conceded, and he got the shot. And to this day, he says he wishes that he hadn't. But he did. And the Warriors won a championship. And Wiggins proved to be a big part of it. And Wiggins got his big extension. The Nets did not do that. They initially said Kyrie could play in away games and practice with them. Remember that? And now their collective authority was compromised as well. Because reversing their position and deciding that he could not play home or away, the damage was done. They weren't setting the standard. They were making it up, or at least it appeared they were making it up as they went along can't help but feel that some of it too was public reaction to the idea that he would be playing in away games but not at home did they believe in the vaccination did they believe in that or not it seemed as if they were sending a muddied message now i'm in the process of watching the movie that Kyrie advertised the latest rock the latest biggest rock that he threw via his twitter feed Uh, the movie Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America. And that's why this is going to require two episodes, because I'm going to discuss that in the next episode. As I record this, I've watched a little over an hour of the film. It's three and a half hours long. Most people I've talked to didn't get past the first hour. They passed judgment on it at that point. I can see why, having watched an hour. I'm going to watch the entire thing. In any case, it is a testament to just how talented Kyrie is that he's got this far. Nike 
as you may have heard, has suspended their deal with him. The deal is up in October. Normally, shoe deals are renewed or extended well before the last year because a shoe company, especially one that has made the monumental investment of giving a player a signature shoe, does not want to give other companies an opportunity to steal him away. And Kyrie is one of the rare players whose shoes sell. And yet, Nike was uncertain about, or uncertain enough prior to everything that's happened in the last few weeks, that they weren't sure that they wanted to go forward with him in terms of uh, a contract. That they were willing to have other shoe companies potentially make bids for him. And Nike met with Kyrie and his people last summer and made it clear that if he stopped turning off factions of the shoe-buying public, that they would extend their deal with him. But it would be after he proved that he could stay out of controversy. I'm told at that meeting that Kyrie expressed an interest in a lifetime deal, and Nike was not even opposed to that provided he got back to doing what he does best, which is playing basketball at a high level and not being better known for not playing. Now, Kyrie didn't last two weeks into this season without demonstrating that he couldn't or wouldn't do that. Kyrie is also a testament to something I've come to believe, that taking on a player who has demanded to be traded by a team is a mistake. No matter how talented the player might be, no matter what the circumstances with the team are. Not for a team that has championship aspirations anyway, acquiring that kind of player. Because it is a signal that when circumstances get tough, that player has the willingness to bail because that player believes that circumstances dictate whether he's going to be successful or not. That's not the way champions think. The champions think, no matter what the circumstances, I am going to find a way to overcome them. And the road to a championship is full of tough circumstances. And unless the entire team is ready to fo face those circumstances head on and committed to overcome them, they will fall short. That's really what chasing a championship is all about. It's about facing the tests that say, give up. This is too much. Let it go. Save it for another day. And giving into that. Or saying, nope going to find a way and it doesn't necessarily that means that uh, that team finds a way sometimes it doesn't work out but if a team and a player are not willing to say I'm going to the wall trying to change this they never will it's a little bit like the poison of purposely losing the way the 76ers did for several years as part of the process once you make losing or quitting or giving up acceptable you send the message that it's okay it's okay
to fall short. It's okay to give up. It's okay not to go to the wall giving your best. And you can't unring that bell. Because, let's face it, NBA players in particular, they have guaranteed money. They have guaranteed fame. If they're good enough, they pretty much have a guaranteed place in the league, the opportunity to play the game and get all that comes with it. Winning a championship? That's hard. And do they get anything in addition? Well, yeah. They get the satisfaction of being a champion. But when it comes to material things, yeah, maybe. But for the most part, doesn't dramatically change their lives. So why... Why put all that unbelievable extra effort into it? That's a desire that has to come from within. And not every player is inherently born with it. Wiggins, again, is another example. He didn't have it in Minnesota. He didn't understand what it took to win. He didn't work hard. But then he saw what Steph and Draymond and Clay and the Warriors had. And how you get to that place where you just don't give in no matter what. You're always looking to get a little bit better. You're always looking to give your best. He saw that with Steph in losing situations. See, it doesn't always have to be about you're you're winning and you're winning a championship. It's all about I'm not giving in. I may lose, but I'm not giving in. I'm not letting go. I'm not conceding. You're going, I'm not going to lose to you. You're going to have to beat me. I'm Louise Makshari of Catch Up with Louise Makshari. I could not be more thrilled to be telling you about the return of the White Lotus. It's streaming now with a Now Entertainment membership. I loved everything about the first series of the show from the cast to the music. And it is just the perfect blend of mystery, comedy and drama. In, in my opinion, the finale of the last series was nothing short of a masterpiece. And now in season two, they're bringing us to Italy. Jennifer Coolidge is back and thank God for that. And this time she's joined by a new cast of characters. If you missed season one, I can't encourage you enough to catch up. You won't regret it. It's streaming now with a Now Entertainment membership. And you can stream the new season of the Emmy Award winning The White Lotus weekly on Now. Now, the harsh reality is that most teams are not all in on winning a championship. It requires an unwavering commitment by everyone. And as I said, that's hard. It's relentless. It costs time, money, energy. They say good is the enemy of great, and I believe that. Kyrie is inherently, naturally, and I'm sure he's done work to become the player he is, but he's, he's very, very good. Out of shape, not always focused, he's still... Very, very good. But he's demonstrated over and over again that he is not willing to do what it takes to be great. At least not on a basketball court. Which is what the Nets' primary interest in him is. Being a voice for the voiceless, an anti-vaxxer, a man of spiritual enlightenment, a crusader for equality, all the things that Kyrie says he aspires to be are all well and good if they don't get in the way of him doing his job. Kyrie either doesn't understand that or doesn't care. If he wants to be those things more than a basketball player, then he should do what Colin Kaepernick did. Stop playing. 
be a crusader, be a seeker and distributor of knowledge about the history of minorities and how they've been treated unjustly. Now, why can't he be a professional basketball player and all those things or professional athlete and all those things? Well, first of all, those are a lot of other things. What is Kyrie's cause? What is he fighting for? And the fact is, he's contributed to a lot of humanitarian events and efforts. And those didn't get in the way of him being a basketball player. So why have these? It makes you wonder, what is his goal with proclaiming his spirituality so loud and long on Twitter or advertising the Hebrews to Negroes movie? I'll be straight up with you. I'm suspicious of anyone who goes overboard proclaiming their faith in whatever religion they follow. I consider myself a spiritual man. But I'm downright offended by anyone who presses their beliefs on others or suggests that they should adopt their faith, that their faith is the only faith. I consider both religion and spirituality inside jobs. Both come in a multitude of forms, and I say whatever helps you live a more fulfilling, loving life, that's what you should believe. In any case, Kyrie is very reluctant to say what his cause is, what he's fighting for. That's what got him all worked up in the recent exchange with the ESPN reporter. He was being asked to explain why he promoted the movie. That's not an incendiary question. Kyrie immediately got hung up on the word promoted, saying that's not what he was doing. And I say that's semantics. Promoted, advertised, can't argue with advertised. He put it on his platform. He made four million some people aware of it that wouldn't have been aware of it otherwise. If that's not advertising, I don't know what it is. In any case... He posted it. Bottom line, Kyrie avoided the question. The reporter kept trying to come back to it, but Kyrie wouldn't let him, choosing to attack him personally and talk over him and then direct the conversation away from him. The effort Kyrie made to get away from the question, to bury it, was impressive and disappointing at the same time. Kyrie, if you have a cause, wouldn't you want to advertise it? unless you can't define it. In the confrontation with the reporter, Kyrie used buzz phrases like, I won't let you dehumanize me. The reporter was asking Kyrie to explain himself, and he took it as dehumanizing. Not only took it as dehumanizing, but in his behavior, essentially dehumanized the reporter, badgered him, belittled him, accused him of simply being an attention seeker. Dehumanizing is to deprive someone of positive human qualities. It's essentially what Kyrie was doing to the reporter. I don't see how the reporter was doing that to Kyrie by simply asking the questions. And here's the thing. Now that the Nets have finally drawn a line in the sand and made it clear what they expect Kyrie to do and have said, we're not paying you and we're not playing you until you do these six clearly defined tasks, 
Kyrie no longer appears to be so obstinate and defiant. He's already fulfilled one of the, the six tasks. He apologized via social media. The other items on the list include apologizing via a press conference in the same manner. I think three and four involve sensitivity training. Five is meeting with members of the Anti-Defamation League and Jewish leaders in Brooklyn. And six is then meeting with owner Josiah and demonstrating that essentially he no longer is going to act out and understands how his acting out to this point has hurt the team as well as the community. I will be interested to see if Kyrie completes the list or if the Nets truly hold him to it. Both of them by what they've said and done over the last few weeks, have proved that they don't know how to act even in their own best interests, which means there's no guarantee they'll do the right thing because they apparently can't always discern what the right thing to do is. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And as I said, in the next episode, I'll give you my take. I'm doing this as a public service. I'm going to watch the movie for the three and a half hour movie, Hebrews to Negroes, and so that you don't have to. And I assume that you trust my judgment and my account and summary of what the movie is all about. I'm taking notes, so I will share those with you. I will also, one of, there's a number of things that I've seen that uh, I, I really appreciate, little aspects of various games that I want to share with you uh, because we need some positive here. We need some appreciation of what's going on in the league because there's a lot of fun, entertaining, exciting basketball being played out there. And I don't want to lose sight of that or deprive you of that simply because we have this Kyrie stuff to discuss. So, in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. I'm Louise Makshari of Catch Up with Louise Makshari. I could not be more thrilled to be telling you about the return of The White Lotus. It's streaming now with a Now Entertainment membership. I loved everything about the first series of the show, from the cast to the music. And it is just the perfect blend of mystery, comedy and drama. In, in my opinion, the finale of the last series was nothing short of a masterpiece. And now in season two, they're bringing us to Italy. Jennifer Coolidge is back and thank God for that. And this time she's joined by a new cast of characters. If you missed season one, I can't encourage you enough to catch up. You won't regret it. It's streaming now with a Now Entertainment membership. And you can stream the new season of the Emmy Award winning The White Lotus weekly on Now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.